Hi, my name is John Katsavos and welcome to the Fitness Oracle. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about the secret of how to drop 10 to 15 pounds and keep it off with complete ease. I've created a free three-part video series for you that explains what the three biggest mistakes people make when they're working out and limits them to the results that they're going after. I am also going to help you get all the details about how you can immediately sign up to the 21 day caveman challenge, which is a do it for you workout program. This has been developed by me for over 11 years of my experience as a professional personal trainer. So go ahead, put in your name and your primary email address, click the link in the show notes below right now, and we'll see you on the inside. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsavos. My guest today is Gabriela Guzman from Escape from the Burnout Society. Gabriela Guzman, her main occupation in the past 10 years has been in the field of organization of sports and fitness. She switched from design and communication to leadership and worked as a sports manager at a transitional fitness company. Her job was very demanding. And in 2018, she suffered a burnout that became a life-changing moment for, for her. Gabriella, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. So tell me, how was Mexico? Oh, Mexico was like uh, chaos, big chaos, but it was a nice chaos. I mean, it's always nice to see people. I left so many years ago uh, because I used to live there, of course. I was born in Mexico and uh, I saw my father and I saw some other family members. And um, well, it's different, of course, because um, we cannot gather kind of be uh, many people at the same time at the same place um and mexico is well uh you know it's just just a little bit behind some other countries with technology so when all the banks for example had to deal with um with all these rules um with COVID and working at home and well everything got stuck and very slowly and Oh, it was uh, just to take money from the bank was like taking two hours of your day. So it was like chaotic. But the nice thing is that, of course, people working at home. So the, the traffic jams were uh, almost not there. And most of the times Mexico City is so crowded that it will take you like an hour and a half to move 10 kilometers. And, uh, and now it was just okay. So and the pollution was also better. And uh, well, I think there were some positive part uh, of, of it, of it all. But it took me uh, three days more of my vacation because also because of the COVID things, I just um, couldn't finish what I had to do. So I have to uh, reschedule my flight back. Uh, but now I'm back and I'm happy I was there. That's good. That's good. Such a shame to have to go back to Mexico. I was there in uh, 2018, and uh, it was uh, very interesting. I, 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 I like going to interesting places. Well, Mexico is indeed a very interesting place. And um, 
there's a lot of go of things going uh, on there with politics and uh, society. I, I have seen the changes in the last 20 years and there have been really enormous. If I would compare it, I think the changes have been even bigger than uh, where I live right now, that's the Netherlands. Um, if you go back now to Mexico, you will recognize many things. So, mm -hmm. and I think it's in a positive way, but not everything has been negative. I think many things have been positive. Yeah. Uh, so you are actually a running coach, I believe, right? Yeah. What got you into running? Well, as I told you, I was born in Mexico uh, City. And um, well, I was a very quiet child and I didn't have many friends. I didn't go out. I, I was uh, being alone at home. And my older sister, I have a sister 10 years older than me, she said, well, this is not good. You're not having like a normal childhood. <laughs> so uh, let's get you to do some sport. So she, she tried first aerobics, which I liked very much. And uh, next to that, she said, well, you also have to do something like real, like real sport. So I'll take you to the track. So she took me to the track and I was very amazed to realize that running was really like a passion for me. It was like motion and, and all these endorphins getting out and making you feel good. And suddenly I was not alone anymore. And I felt like uh, in contact with other people, other runners, of course. So that, that's when it all started. I was already like 12 years, almost 13 years when I started running. And, um, but it was immediately a passion for me. And I started the trek in Mexico City. And then uh, when I moved to, to the Netherlands, where I live right now, I um, took it to the second of a higher level by uh, becoming an uh, instructor, a uh, trainer. And it took me quite some years to get all these certificates. And uh, some of them are not even recognized in the Netherlands. But I don't care. <laughs> Um, but I can tell you that the running in Mexico, it's just a little bit different than the running in, in Holland. I mean, Mexico has a tradition in, in, in running. You have these taromaras uh, from the north of Mexico that are running almost barefoot. And it's a ritual to run. It's, it's part of the spiritual development to run. And uh, so for Mexicans, running is more part, it's, it's also part of a spiritual thing. And uh, maybe not for people in Mexico City, but from other Indians, it is. Um, so when I came to Holland, people would look to me. I was, it was in the 90s, and they would look at me like, what is she doing? She has a legging, she has a tights on, and she's running, but it's snowing. She's crazy. <laughs> so, well, that's where it started. I was always very uh, passionate about it, and he didn't care. I didn't care if it was raining or thunder or whatever i would just would go out and run uh so that that's basically where your passion for sports comes from like just just the tracks on in from mexico and just running yeah well it it's it, it started there and then i also discovered that you know i come from a, a society where the macho culture is very strong and men are made to be uh like the boss and women should follow. And I started to look at this 
when I was in my puberty, you know, in adolescent years. And I thought, well, actually, I think uh, that's not true. And I wanted to develop my uh, strength. And I discovered that running also needs a lot of uh, mental strength. So, of course, men are still uh, faster than women, but in the long distances, this difference is getting less and less and less. And this also has to do because women are mentally very strong and we can also endure a lot of pain. Um, so, um, and that's also something you see in these races where Indians run, that uh, there are so many women that are running. And Indian culture can be also very uh, men-like uh, culture, uh, but women can excel as well, and they are allowed to excel as far as they can run, then you can excel. Um, so that's also something like from running, that I got stronger and mentally uh, more able to endure uh, lots of things. Um, so that's also one of the reasons I got very involved with sports, and from running I went to other sports, of course, I tried many other things. Are there any examples where the mental toughness from running actually uh, bled into your uh, your day-to-day -day life or your personal life, for, for that matter? Yeah, well, you know, running, uh, especially long distances. Um, I think the long distance is um, the master of the mental um, attitude. And that is because you know that every step you take it's one step less. So in 42 kilometers, for example, the marathon, I have a gate, uh, you know, if I run, I will, which, each uh, step I take, every gate I take, it would be like a, um, one meter and 10 centimeters, something like that. So for me, it would be like 40,000 times. I know it's only 40,000 times, not more and maybe not less. <laughs> So it's not that you're going to count them, of course not, but you know it's going to be 40,000 times doing the same thing. So you have to take it easy and you have to think that you have a certain amount of engine, you have a certain amount of um, um, strength in your legs that you have been, of course, uh, developing, if you have been training, but you have to take it easy. And that's something you can also uh, reflect to your daily life like okay i have 24 hours to do something from which eight hours i have to do this i have to both well, you have to sleep as well and so you have to to well not to in the first hour burn everything you've got you really have to take it easy and that's something you learn when you're running and the third second thing is about pain you know pain physical pain is is not something in your brain something really very there you feel it every step at a certain moment you are just very tired so how do you deal with it because you still have to go miles uh kilometers uh so you think well it's there but i'm not going to die from it nobody's going to die from it i mean very few people die in a marathon and most of the time it's not because of the pain it's because they have a heart attack which is something different so as long as the pain is in my legs who cares I can just go and go on and go on and go on until I'm there. So that's the second thing also in your, in your daily life. Sometimes you feel, you experience pain, 
sometimes you experience some um, discomfort. And as far as you think like, well, I still have to go three hours, just let's enjoy them, even with a little bit of pain or a little bit of boredom or whatever else. So, well, I think those two things are very uh, applicable. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I keep putting off running because I, I, like at 5K, I'm just like in pain. My calves are starting to burn. Everything is like, but like you said, like it's like one step less, right? <laughs> it's one step less, yeah. Yeah, and uh, well, I also can tell you that uh, part of it is also when you experience pain in running has to do sometimes also with uh, with the fact that we are not really very um, trained and people will start with a marathon while they're not really ready for it. Or they would like to uh, run a 10K within, I don't know, like uh, 38 minutes when they still are over the 40, 45 minutes. So it, it's also to do with um, patience, a lot of patience. Everybody, everybody, every person has a different body and everybody needs a different kind of um, training. And sometimes for some people will take years and for some people will take months and it is not very fair, but it is the way it is. <laughs> Definitely. So would you say that uh, long distance running and track stuff is uh, one of the sports that actually consumes you? Are there any other sports that you could just sit back and just watch for 90 minutes, two hours? Yeah, well, there are many sports I really like. I mean, I even like football, uh, you know, football, soccer. I can enjoy a good match. But especially when there are the Olympics, I look at these athletes like the decathlon or the, or maybe the Olympics, you know, the gym, you know, turning, gym gymnastics. And I see this um this development of the body. And I feel like I know how, how much it takes to get there. And I enjoy seeing and watching people uh, moving with a, such, a, such an ease. And if you would take whomever from those walking on the street, they couldn't do even 2% of what they're doing. And that's amazing. That's really like magic. And it is not, it's just a story over lots of training. I mean, you know also about that. It takes a lot of training before you get your body doing things what you never expected it could do. But especially the sports where people do things that just look amazing. It's like, I can watch it hours, hours and enjoy it. And so it's not only running. I mean, there are some other sports. You brought something very interesting and I want to get your thoughts on it because I have very strong thoughts about uh, Olympics and Olympic athletes. Do you think it's fair where Olympic athletes, when it comes to pay, are getting so much more less than what traditional sports athletes are getting, like and say... Uh, basketball or baseball or football for that matter do you think it's fair for them to be putting in the same amount of hours if not more and getting paid so much more less and getting so much less recognition than their counterparts in um, 
uh, like footballers, for example? Yeah, no, no. I, I think it's it's terrible. It's really very terrible because, um, well, you know, the the sports industry uh, for which I was also working, it's very commercial. It's very commercial, and it's actually not about sports. It's about money, and it's about earning money, and it's about selling. Um, what you see is that some people that get on the top and have what you could call uh, maybe an interesting story. Uh, let, let's talk about someone like Usain Bolt, for example. Huh? So a guy who comes from Jamaica, which um, has the world record and an amazing story, can earn quite some money, never never to com be compared to what uh, football, football people could, could uh, earn. Um, but it's because of his story. Of course, he has a world record. He has a, an amazing talent for running. Um, but there are also like hundreds, thousands of other sporters um, that are very talented and they are also working very hard. Um, and they are earning very little. And I know because also running is the same, is the same idea. I mean, there are so many runners and there are just a very few that can re really do a living out of it. Uh, maybe that was one of the reasons I never really considered to do it for a professional level. Um, but it's it's much about the looks, it's much about the story, and really too much about selling. Uh, how to make a, a business out of it. And at the moment, you are not more interesting to the media um, and to other industries, well, then, it won't work for you and then you out of business and then you have to do something else, maybe writing a book or maybe giving a training, but uh, it's a very short and uh, maybe not a happy ending profession, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean because um, I've been in sports my entire life, not just, I've been in like, uh, like martial arts my entire life. And unless I wanted to get into an octagon or get into a ring, if I, w if I took the Olympic, the Olympic Avenue, I'd be making so much less money than getting into a ring, doing a K-1 fight or getting into the octagon, doing a UFC fight, which is like, and you have so many talented fighters on in the, at the Olympic level. And they won't even think or even try to go towards the UFC or K1 and vice versa because of money. And I think it's completely unfair. Yeah, I agree with you. It's completely unfair. It's completely unfair. But we are, uh, I mean, in a way, we also uh, have supported this industry by buying everything they sell to us. I mean, if you just think about a baseball match or a football uh, soccer match and uh, these very expensive shirts and uh, the photographs and everything that goes with it. And um, I mean, of course, you want to go to, its, to the stadium and watch your, your uh, team play, but um, the industry has been allowed to, to pay so much to each of the players and spend so much money in only marketing. So most of it, what you 
pay for it is the marketing. Mm -hmm. Not really for the game. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Uh, staying in the sports, quote unquote, uh, side of it, uh, let's talk about more about the fitness industry. What are your thoughts on the fitness industry? Well, the fitness industry, um, when I started uh, going to the gym, when, uh, when my sister told, took me for the first time to the gym and I went to aerobics lessons, it was starting, it was the 80s, and you, know, we all, you only could find very big guys trying to get bigger with a lot of weight. And sporadically, you would see a woman somewhere, and most of them would be one of their girlfriends that was just watching. <laughs> so I was a weird child because I didn't care and I, want, I wanted to earn some money as well. So I told them, look, I love sports. So if you pay me, I will help you with in the gym. And they said, well, I mean, why not? We need some, some people around here. So they were, would pay me just a little bit and I will um, clean the fitness or um, just help with the uh, moving the, the, the fitness gear from A to B and things like that. And then one day I said, well, I would like to be an instructor. I said, well, first you have to be a aerobics instructor because that's for women. <laughs> and then we'll think about the fitness instructor. And uh, so I kept, I kept insisting like, no, I think I like the aerobics. I was giving the radio training every day and I was already 15, I guess. And they said, okay, okay, okay. So you're getting a, you're getting very nasty. So uh, let's give you uh, some training for a fitness trainer. So I, I started and of course, nobody wanted to train with me. Of course not. And those days, uh, guys wanted to get, you know, instructed by guys. I mean, what was going little, little girl to, going to tell them about muscles? Anyway, I didn't care. I was going to do it myself and my own way. And um, so it, it grew quite quickly. You, I mean, at the end of the 90s, I, well, no, in the 90s already, I saw some women and they were going to aerobics and then we pulled some weight. And, um, but everything was starting. And uh, when I left Mexico, I really missed the fitness. And I'm going to tell you why, because as a woman, I mean, I don't know about a guy because I'm not a guy, but as a woman, you really feel the difference when you suddenly can do things you never thought you could do. It's just like dragging of your, you know, doing a, a, a squat and then you're, you're lifting yourself up like 55 kilos or 60 kilos. You feel like I could be just lifting myself up. That's strange. And, and then you go on further and then you realize that all the things that were very heavy for you, they're not heavy anymore. And then you're running even faster. And I feel like this is great. This is great. This is something I was just missing. Um, so for me, from that moment on, I was like very fond of fitness as well. And it was not very easy uh, because of course, uh, fitness could be also a little bit expensive, but um, I tried to get, well, to do it as, as um, often as I could. And, um, but I, I noticed of course that, that there's, um, there's been a positive development um, I mean, let me see, it was, uh, so first I did some other things. I was a graphic designer for 
10 years, more than 10 years, and then I did communication science. And in all these years, I was only really uh, running and going twice to the fitness if, if I could. Um, but one day when I didn't have any other option, I started to work in the fitness industry. It was a little bit like an accident, but it was like uh, some things you might say at the end, it was meant to be. And um, yeah, and then I, I realized that the, the evolution of the fitness was, it was very good, it was, was interesting. Um, but when I was working in it, I saw this uh, very commercial aspect of, of uh, the fitness industry. And that disappointed me a little bit because if you think about physiology, if you think about how to become stronger and more healthy, um, there are so many things that at this moment in a fitness uh, center doesn't have to do anything with that. They're too complex, they're too uh, maybe difficult even to understand for just normal plain people who want to get a little bit of, of uh, exercise. Um, so when I was working on it, uh, or in it, and I was even involved in, in, in developing, in developing uh, sport activities, I got to the point when I thought, this is getting too weird. This is getting too commercial. I get so many partners calling me every week. I want to offer the whatever bikes and the elliptical and the treadmill. And it costs all thousands of euros, thousands of euros. It's going to be amazing. And your people are training with you are going to love it. And then I thought, well, actually it's not. It's, it's just like giving a, a, a boy or a girl a, a toy, a very expensive toy. And within like four or five days, they're going to leave it somewhere in their, you know, in their, in their room and they're going to play with the most plain things. They're going to use the imagination and they're going to make a toy from whatever they have. It's the same in the fit industry, fitness industry. You get the most weird concepts for training the body yeah and it's so easy it's so simple yeah when they say it's about the experience i say yeah well the experience i mean i know what you mean but you're looking at the you look at the kind of form around it you're looking at the the very core of what is fitness and what it means to really move and be healthy um so i got i got a little bit disappointed and uh, anyway, I didn't have so many, mo so much money to spend because as a sports manager, well, I, I had a budget and if the budget is, uh, is <laughs> it's gone, then you cannot do anything anymore. But um, I think the best, um, one of the best things that have ever happened is that somebody started to think in this way and uh, created uh, functional training, which means just do what your body is made to do and try to train the way people just move. Don't think too much about all this strange gear in the fitness with all kinds of um, lights and, 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 and even uh, noises and, and, and the IT around it, you know, the programs and you're going to follow this and follow that. And I mean, People get so, so really uh, fed up with it within a few months. Um, 
So I, I, um, I really like this evolution in the fitness uh, uh, CrossFit. I was also very interested in, and I have seen also how people react on the long term because people who were training with me when I started eight years later, I see, I could see the evolution. All of them, all of them started when they got a little bit more advanced, started to use their body and uh, doing more kind of functional training, body weight training, uh, things that were just much easier to, to keep on doing. Um, you brought up a couple of really good and interesting points that I want to touch up on. Uh, the evolution of fitness. Like I didn't get into the fitness industry uh, in the gyms until the early 90s. So I was just getting into the gym when it was when women were starting to get into Mr. Olympia. They, they, they created a Mrs. Olympia. And that's when it be, started to become, quote unquote, fashionable for females to start getting bigger and stronger. Um, you also mentioned that you, you're not sure about if men, how men would feel when they could actually do like a quote, uh, like a chin up or a muscle up. I'm telling you from a, from training guys, when you can get a guy to do a chin up, he's like just beaming. He's like, Whoa, I can lift myself. So, so it works both on both ends. And I've actually seen women as well do the same thing. Like when I can get them to get to do a chin up by themselves, again, they're like, whoa, I can't believe I actually did it. And it's like, you, like as a trainer, you're like so happy for them. So how about you? When, when you saw women starting to get into the, the Olympia stage, how did that make you feel? Was that like a personal victory for yourself or for uh, women across the board saying, yeah, we can do it too? Oh, yes, certainly. Yes, of course. Of course, because, you know, it's, um, it's also a kind of, um, uh, how do you call this? Um, it's a break, breakthrough um, also because of the statics for women. So at the end of the 70s and you know, at the end of the 80s, and maybe at the 80s, women started to get a little bit like muscled. Like it was not really bad to see a woman with like a athlete, well, athletic um, body. But be before of that, you should be just skinny. That was it. Women should be skinny. And that was kind of idea, ideal body for a woman but then women started to go on the you know on the stage with muscles and they started with the bikini and they went on to the you know they were still bigger becoming bigger and bigger until they got really very big and and I thought yeah now there are so so, so many women who don't care to have muscles they, they even like it they they feel like this is to be strong and I want to be strong and I want to look like that. So, uh, of course, I feel like women were um, taking a step ahead again. And um, um, yeah, of course, <laughs> you, 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 I mean, it's what I always say, maybe you like it or not. You can always say, I don't like that body. You can always say that also for about men, but you can never say that the person didn't have the discipline to look like that. 
that's something you just can't deny. Uh, and that's because some people say, oh, but you know, bodybuilding is not a sport. Well, I think it is a sport. The only thing is the performance is very short because you have just a few minutes on stage and, and everything you have to do to be there, it's like months for some people, maybe even years. So um, it's a very different kind of sport. But for women, I mean, I'm very glad and I also very glad it's growing. And it's also being recognized because still women are earning less than men on the, on the bodybuilding. Um, but well, I mean, it's, uh, it's like in all other parts of society and in the world, women are for the same thing, they're paid less. Um, so it's something that it hasn't changed. Um. Kind of got sidetracked with a question that I had ready for you. <laughs> so well, you, you asked me about the women. If I thought that there yeah, was okay. like a kind of winning. Um, uh, do you see that things, uh, when it comes to the body bodybuilding stage and the fitness industry in itself, do you start? Are you starting to see like more of a balance coming between men and women? Because now there's even more uh, avenues for men to get into the bodybuilding stage. You no longer have to be the biggest the biggest guy out there you could do like a uh, uh, fitness model and so many other different avenues. Do you, are you starting to see that, that part of the evolution for men as well? Well, I think, yes, I think, yes, you know, that's the, the it, it come to, it, it came to a point that it was not sustainable anymore because you know about the, the, all the drugs that people had to take to get so big. And well, the, uh, well, it's, I think it's amazing when you see a body like that. It's really amazing. But it, it, you pay the toll. At a certain point of your life, if you take um, any kind of um, hormonal enhancement, you will pay for it. So um, it is, it had to be a development in which people, in the fitness industry, especially in the bodybuilding, had to be um, given a chance uh, to do something like in a, in, a, in a side way and still be earning money and still being appreciated, but not by getting so big. I mean, there still are. There's still guys that are getting so big and there are still women that are getting so big. But as you know, there's also a very strong part of it that saying no guys and no girls, this is not really, this is too, too much, let's say. And um, so they, there are, there have been other ways to uh, get on the stage and uh, look nice, look good, be uh, very muscular and being appreciated. Um, I mean, I've heard from women that also for, for, to earn money, um, they're lifting men for example. So women that are very, of course, they're very powerful, are lifting men. And men are fond of it. Yeah. I mean, you would think like a girl, a girl goes to the Chippendale and they want a lap dance with that guy who looks like a model and has, has a very big ass and looks like great, you know. You think about those things. But have you ever thought that there are men willing to pay lots of money lots of money just not for a lap dance no 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 
just to lift me up, to throw me on the bed and just do that we are wrestling. Really, and it's amazing. It's like when I heard about those things, I, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying it because then you see, you know how complex people really are. You think like, oh, no, no, oh, those guys who are so big in the stage and they're taking drugs and hormones and it's horrible. And those women as well. But you don't know how many people really, their, their dream in their life is to go and, and, and talk with these women and be just next to them and being able to touch their muscles and, and to have a wrestle with, wrestling with a bench with them. <laughs> amazing so it is and that's the nice thing about sports that it brings people also together they never thought they would be together for one or the other reason if you personally ask me i think it's the stereotype on both ends that puts the blocks and doesn't allow people to really see what the person actually wants and we can remove those stereotypes like you know uh, men are like this and women are like that and it, well, why can't we just all you know just be me why can't you just be you and just as the person that you are rather than putting you in a block of thing that you're supposed to be and this is what I'm starting to really like about the whole fitness industry it's like it's no longer um you're a guy, you're supposed to be getting big muscles. Oh, you're a girl, you're supposed to be doing aerobics and this and that. No, now you can do what you enjoy, what you think is right for yourself. Yeah. So that way we can kind of break down whatever stereotypes that we've built and just enjoy ourselves for who we are and what we are. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I also think that, uh, as, as I was telling you, you know, when I uh, I was working every day at the gym and uh, there were, I would get some uh, partners around or people who want to be partners and yeah, we're selling this and we're selling that. And it was all about the experience, you know, experience of, of uh, fitness because people got bored. They said, well, people, they get bored. And I can, I can understand that. Not everybody wants to be three hours in the gym a day, even not three, three hours a week. I mean, um, it's true, I know. So you have to make something that it looks like an event, a mini event, so you have a lot of music and lights and uh, all kinds of uh, dynamics to get pe people going on. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm not against it at all. Um, um, but well, of course, there is something very important about sports that people also uh, forget. It's part of what you also say. I mean, there's a kind of stereotype like how we should look in the fitness. And you have a special gear. And I mean, people say, I'm not a fitness person. I and mean, that person doesn't exist, I always say. It doesn't exist. It's a myth. You don't look, have to look like, you know, and girls, oh, but you know, I have a little bit like too much fat in the ass and you know, and the very thick legs. And I said, so what? So what, yeah, but. I feel so uncomfortable because people are going to look at me and they say, well, okay, look, if you go to the fitness, people are going to look somewhere. I mean, it's, it's unavoidable. It's part of, it's part of it. Um, if you don't want that, you take the gear to your own room and, and do the fitness there, but it's not what you're willing to. Huh? It's not what you want. So just get along with it. 
And, um, but the most important thing is that uh, it's, it's actually being healthy and getting stronger and uh, enjoying also a body that it's fitter. That's the main thing. And everything around it can just uh, or help it or not. And I always thought like, well, listen, there are some people who are really very um, unsecure on the way they look. They may, maybe most of the time they are overweighted, very, very heavy. They cannot move easily. They have lots of injuries and all kinds of side problems in their body. So, of course, as, as a fitness center, you should um, consider these people and give them more attention. And that's nothing, it's really nothing that is happening. So we go, go back to this, what I was telling about uh, uh, commercial thing. Of course, you have to earn money from fitness. I mean, otherwise all the fitness centers would, go, would shut down and, and they were open again. But I think that the core of the business is actually to get people stronger, not only physically, but also mentally. And the mental aspect is the very thing I always missed everywhere where I was working, that mental aspect, which is actually where we are of, um, in the, 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 let's say the whole day we are thinking we're what we want to do what we want to do with who we want to become and then you go to the fitness and then it's the moment you will become because then you will use your body your matter to to be reshaped but the other part is very important and that's something you every fitness center where i have worked is just not important for them it's just that very moment when people are there. But half or even more, more part of the training, I mean, maybe 60 to 70% is outside the fitness. It's not in the fitness. So as, as you know, I mean, you, you, you all have also trained very hard. Uh, when you train, you're actually destroying your body. For to, Let's say it's an extreme, but you are destroying your body. And when you go out of it, you go out of the fitness, then you're going to grow because your body is going to repair and there is going to compensate. So you're going to get better so that you can do more. But that development and that restructuring of the body happens outside the fitness. So if, if as trainer, you don't take in consideration that very part of the process, then you're missing a lot. And the good trainers I knew uh, and I met are also taking in consideration that very part of the training. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and I, and that's, the, that's one thing that I've noticed with uh, my 11 years of training people. And this is why I put it in uh, one of my three pillars of fitness is rest and recovery. And I give it like 90% or no 70% of the entire structure of exercise and how to get a better body because it's just that important. I mean, look at uh, Liverpool, Liverpool and Manchester United. They're dumping millions of pounds a year on their athletes. I mean, if it wasn't that important, they wouldn't be dumping that kind of money into it. <laughs> so, I mean, that part is critical. Yeah, you know, being in the gym is very important, but so is the rest of the recovery part. Because if you don't, if you screw that part up, then you're not going to 
get stronger. You're not going to get better. You're not going to lose the fat that you want. And um, kind of switching gears, but not really. Have you noticed that when people are too focused on one thing, they actually start to burn out? So how would you deal with somebody that you would, that you would see that they would show signs of burnout? Um, well, burning out is a kind of overtraining, I would call it. If you would talk in terms of training and physiology, a burnout is an overtraining. Very far, far away <laughs> on the other side. Um, well, look, I was once or twice overtrained when I was uh, an athlete and I was running a lot. And one of the first things I noticed was that I, my heart would beat very um, fast when I was actually trying to sleep. And that didn't go away very uh, quick. So it took me like uh, two or three days to recover. And then I felt very tired and some things that I felt like restless. That was, that's the, the best way to describe it. I was restless. Um, when someone goes into this mode, like uh, focused, I want to do this and I want to do that. Uh, but is so focused on that mental aspect that forgets about their body then you get into this point that you get very nearby a burnout. And um, um, I have had also some athletes who were overtrained. And I also had athletes that this overtraining was part of because they were training just too hard and resting too little. And also because of their mental aspect, they had something in their mind that they were not letting them rest. For example, um, a relationship that is not going well. And so you go training, you do what we're saying, you do like 30% of the process and then you go back home and you just, you are very, very um, sad or you're very angry uh, because your spouse or your boyfriend, whatever, and you're frustrated so everything you did in the fitness, it just like didn't work because it just doesn't work like that. Your body's going to give uh, more importance to recover from stress than growing for your fitness. It's going to say, how am I going to grow? You still have to repair everything you just killed <laughs> with your stress hormones and your cortisone and all these, these hormones. It's, it, I have to repair that. When am I going to grow? So um, what I would say depends if you're telling me about someone who is, because uh, I mean, of course, my, my uh, podcast is about burnout. Um, I see many aspects of the person um, that are most of times telling me that someone is very nearby a burnout, having signs of a burnout. And one of those is a uh, restless heart that you go to sleep, that you, can, you cannot uh, uh, fall asleep. A mind that is going on and on and on with lots of stuff that most of the times is like invented stories you have in your mind and you just can pull, yeah, put away. Um, you're getting sick. So any, any kind of uh, immune problem you have uh, from 
wounds that won't heal quickly to eyes that get very red and infected uh, to a, a cold that doesn't go away or it take like years before it goes away and uh, forgetfulness that's also something that happens very much you get forgetful about anything you just don't know what you were saying you don't just know you had an appointment or you forgot your keys somewhere you don't know where they are and you cannot be mindful mindfulness is for someone who's stressed a very big challenge because you cannot be at the moment you are not at this moment you are somewhere else and this get in a in a kind of uh, vicious circle that brings you more and more and more and more stress um yeah I mean, I was there. <laughs> so uh, you, you said that you were burnt, you got burnt out once or twice before with, your, with, uh, with running. So two things, do you mind talking a little bit about that? And what did you learn from the burnout personally? Yeah, well, the, I mean, the first time was uh, more like overtraining because I was very young. When you are young, you are quite fit and your body really responds different to uh, all kinds of stress. Um, but I had, um, I was at the track, I was already in the Netherlands and I think I was like uh, already in my 20s and um, so I was studying a second study at the uni university. Um, I was running and I discovered a new technique of running and it just, I was blown up. I, I would feel like, wow, this is great and I want to beat all my PRs and I'm going to be fantastic and so I wanted to excel everywhere I wanted to be the best student and I want to be the best runner and yeah you know so but of course your, your body has to 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 deal with a lot of stress and you know studying until very late at night because you have a, a test and then running like a hell <laughs> you know it's it's a very bad combination really bad combination so one day I went to the track and I couldn't run anymore. I felt I was tired at the very beginning and tired at the very end. And then you get very emotional, like, oh, you know, I'm, I don't know what's going on with me. Um, and my heart was beating very fast. And then I thought like, well, my trainer told me, I mean, you're overtrained. You have pain in your body? Yes, where? Everywhere, you're overtrained. <laughs> He said, tell me, where did it, was it hurts? I don't know, it hurts everywhere. You have a treat. <laughs> so go home and I don't want to see you for a month. <laughs> so he was right. It hurt everywhere. And uh, I, after a month, I was like, well, not almost the old one. But I thought like, all right. So there's a, there's a, there's a place, you know, where the body says it's too much. So let's try to think about that. But I didn't really learn everything about it because years later, when I was working in the fitness industry, that's like almost a few years ago, I had again a burnout. But this time it was real, really very bad. And it got so bad because as I used to do before, I was running, I was doing a lot of exercise and I was working like hell. It was it was like a week of 50 to 60 hours. I had a little girl, three, three years old. Um, I was not sleeping. Uh, my boss would always ask more and more and more. 
uh, it was a very commercial uh, fitness uh, center because I have um, transnational there in many countries. And, uh, and they want the most of it with the less of it, you know, of money all the time, all the time. And they fired half of my team. So I have to take over all the responsibilities. And I thought, you know, I just had a week of 60 hours, but I'm going to run because I feel like I need time for myself. But of course, this time it's, it's just a bit too much for the body. And it, this, this went on for uh, years. I can tell you years, I think certainly two years. And um, so I got these signs that I thought like, oh, it looks like when I was overtrained, but it's not the same. So I got uh, mental problems with, I mean, uh, remembering things. I got sick very many times, uh, uh, very strange things I started to have, very, very strange things. Uh, just every morning I would look in the mirror and I would say, oh, I have a red, uh, red eye. And, uh, and the next morning it would be both of them. And then I would go to the, to the physician. He would say, well, this is not an infection. This is something else. And I would say, well, this is not an infection. What it is, you know, tell me what it is. And um, um, the wounds would uh, not heal. And uh, I have uh, uh, muscle spasms. So my muscles would just get like this and they will stay like that for days or even weeks. Um, and then one day I also have a finger who was getting numb, like just were like sleeping, you know, when these things get uh, yeah, numb and pins. it didn't go away. Pins yeah. and needles. Yeah, pins and needles. And it stayed. I mean, it's still like that. Um, and the very last thing I had, it was that I got emotional. And I'm not really like that. I'm always happy, I'm always laughing, I'm always positive. And, and all in a sudden, the world was against me and I hated my boss and she hated me. I felt like, well, I, I was not like that. I mean, I was not hating anyone and nobody was hating me. So why I'm thinking about these things, getting so negative. Um, so I had a, a leave, I asked for a few days. And the day I told, my boss that it was because I was feeling very bad and I well I already told her before a year before I was already telling her that I felt some uh, problems with my body because of so much work and uh, but when I told her the last time maybe it was too late because I just started crying out of the nowhere just like whoa <laughs> she didn't know what to do and I don't even know what to do <laughs> You know, I was like, well, I'm crying for I don't have to cry for this. I'm just going on a holiday. I should be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to home and I was crying and crying. I felt like, what is this? I'm not like that. So I came home. I lie down in bed and I didn't wake up until the next day. And when I woke up, I, woke up, I just uh, couldn't move anymore. And I stayed in bed for four months four months and I could only go out of bed to eat and cook a little bit and take care of my little girl and then go again to bed for four months. So that's a burnout. And it's not a, a thing that you will be uh, very happy to have, but of course it has a positive part. And the positive part is like learning, but you just told me, what did you learn out of it? 
because this time was not funny. <laughs> it was really not funny. I started reading about it and I realized what I had done to my body and to myself. And I thought, oh, this really gone too far. This just went too far because the detrimental effects of the burnout go and stay for years. I mean, it can take you a to couple of years before you are again yourself. And you have to be very happy if you don't get any kind of uh, immune disease or something that is more um, well, really like a disease that you will not going to get better from. Um, so if you would tell me, I would choose better to be overtrained than to have a burnout. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a completely another kind of, 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 uh, of uh, you abusing from yourself. Completely different. Now, so. It's interesting because a couple of, uh, the beginning of this month, October, I actually had a burnout. And just like you, uh, for one week, this is why people, I have not posted a podcast for the entire month of October is because I was completely burnt out from April till the end of September. I have been going at Mach 10 and I haven't stopped. And the beginning of October, I just stopped. The first week of October, I did nothing absolutely nothing i didn't open my laptop nothing 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 and then i just slowly started to bring stuff back into my life and to you know to get the podcasts back up to get the uh the business view of fitness up and running so what are some steps that you can tell some people not to get burnt out again or not to get burnt out period because it's not a fun thing like you said like i can't imagine being down down enough for four months I was down and out for a week and I was like, I was going crazy. <laughs> yeah, financially is also not, uh, not almost uh, uh, the best uh, you can have. Uh, fortunately, of course, I was at that moment employed. So uh, um, well, I got paid for uh, those four months. Well, partially, of course, but I, I, that was not my, at that moment, uh, something I had to uh, get worried about. Well, what I would tell is the very important, I mean, but it is that what I notice is that people have, um, some people really want to excel in many things. They might like very much what they're doing. Like you like podcasting. I mean, I would also like it as well. Um, they like maybe their job, their, their, uh, activities around their job. I don't like to call them hobbies because that looks, it's really like something to, to the side, but it, it's really an activity you like to do and you do it every day. Um, but the, the reality is that we only have 24 hours. And from those 24 hours, we have to sleep at least eight. And some people seven, some people six, but most of us will sleep eight hours. And we need this quality, quality time for sleeping and resting. Next to those eight hours, you have to have a social life. It's not a, it's not a luxurious thing. It's, an, it's a necessity. And you have to look inside. And those moments that you look inside and you ask yourself, what am I doing really? Where I, where, where I will go with my life? Or am I happy? Or, 
you know, these kind, these moments of reflection, is very, they are very important not to get burned out. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when you are in a, in a hustle and you you are all the time hurrying up and you this these levels of cortisol go up from the morning and they don't go down the whole day. You don't give this moment of of ease and, and looking around and enjoying your time. You just go on and on and on and you're thinking the next thing and the next project and the next appointment and and the money has to come in and you know and everything is like in a rush. So your body experiences this. You know, is the, the mind says, okay, this is very important. So we, we are not being followed by a dinosaur <laughs> or by a tiger or by an alien, but you are stressed. And this goes on all day, but it's your mind. It's only your mind. You are planning a lot of things ahead. So uh, what happens with your body is that um, the, uh, the hormones, or the stress hormones, get to a point that destroy your body. So your brain shrinks. It really shrinks. So the cortex gets a little bit damaged. And it's, I mean, it's not that you have a very big, big brain damage, but it's enough to make you forget things and not to be very clear. When you are not really very clear anymore, you stop thinking, but you also stop thinking like logically, like what I am doing to myself. Why should I do this? You are not critical anymore. You get a little bit more emotional even. And so, <clears throat> The very first thing is that when you think you go to bed and you cannot sleep or you don't have the quality of sleep you need, then you have to think, where does it come from? Am I going to bed with a lot of stuff in my head? Did I have a good rest? Did I walk up myself? Or is it just like the, 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 you know, the, the clock? It's, if the alarm doesn't go off, then I'm not going to go out of bed. That's bad. That's really bad. That means that you are not sleeping enough. The body is made, it, it's really such a nice, um, what do you call this, um, machine, if you would like to say, a natural machine, like with, with, a, with an all, own clock. So if you go to bed, you will wake up at the moment you see the light, because the light is going to wake up. And, uh, but if you don't wake up, that means you're missing some sleep. So that's the first thing, look at your sleep. Second, are you falling asleep or are you staying like two hours thinking about something? If you're doing something like that, then it's also very bad. You have to get some time for yourself. Um, when you fail to do those things, what is going to happen is that your immune system will go down because the hormones of stress will affect your immune system. And then it gets worse because all the things you wanted to do and you had to do what you think you had to do, and not going to happen because you get sick. It's, uh, so I was four months in bed and I was, the first week I was like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my job. And I, don't ha I, I had so many appointments and I had so many partners to call. And, and then I realized like, if there is no health, if you're not healthy, you're going nowhere, nowhere. So that's the very thing. If you have a cold, if you have a real cold, you're going nowhere. I'm not talking about COVID and those things. I'm just talking about cold. If you get cancer, you're going to die. 
<laughs> you know, and your immune system is the very first line is going to avoid you from getting cancer. So when I realized that, I felt like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Why was I thinking? Name any kind of appointment, any kind of, of um, uh, comment about my working, my, my, my boss, whatever, is that worth? No one, no one. Because when I was lying in bed and I had pretty much time to think about it and I was having so much pain everywhere, just like that, I thought, oh my God. So I did it to myself because nobody said, oh no, yeah, well, you should go and go until eight or nine o'clock at night and then you're going to do this and then you're going to sleep bad. And I did it to myself. So, well, when you get to the point that you cannot think clearly, then you have a problem because then it will go down and down and down and down. It will be a spiral. Um, so in very short uh, terms, I would say, please, Look first at the way you're sleeping. Are you getting enough sleep? If you are not, just arrange everything to get enough sleep and to get enough time for yourself to reflect on what you want because and to put the priorities. I mean, is that what your endeavor is? Is that what your project is so special for you that you're going to deprive yourself from eight hours of sleep Really? You know, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe a night or two, but not a week or a month. And I think many people just think, oh, I don't care because I'm very tough. I'm very tough. I can handle with only a few hours of sleep. And I can handle with just a few, uh, I don't know, uh, marshmallows <laughs> or Milky Ways. And I will be awake all night, just a cup of coffee, and then I will go on. And that's the way it goes. And then people get burned out. I mean, now you're asking me, you don't know how many people, when I started my podcast, are telling me that they got a burnout. And maybe a little bit of a tiny one. And some people have a very hard time because you are wanted to be in bed. You're very tired and you have a family or you have a work or you have your own business and you cannot take, take time for yourself. No, yeah. Um... I've actually spoken to a naturopathic doctor before we were on this on this call and and she was telling me that uh, I need to slow down but because the next one's going to be even worse and like from what you're telling me it's like I'm actually afraid of the next burnout so I'm trying to do everything that I can to not get that next burnout and one of the one of the things that was introduced to me during the time that I took off was a form of meditation. Now I've been I've been in martial arts since I was eight years old, so I've been trying to do the meditation since I was eight. I just could never wrap my head around the uh, the Asian meditation. It just it just didn't just didn't vibe with me. Not that it's right or wrong. I just, it just didn't vibe with me. But this new meditation that I'm doing is actually quite impressive. I know you meditate. So how has meditation helped you? Yeah, well, uh, actually it's very good that you are um, 
mentioning it because um, well, it really saved my life in, in the way that uh, I was so affected, chronic, uh, my brain was so affected that I got a little bit scared. Because when you get blackouts, I thought blackouts were people only for people who were drinking a lot. But no, sometimes. if you have sometimes exactly <laughs> sometimes you know it's but but it's like okay you forget everything you had at that moment so doesn't matter but when you forget things you really need to know <laughs> then you're in trouble and i couldn't remember so many things and i thought oh my god but this is happening too often and uh when i was lying in bed i got a book from my husband it was um uh, you are the placebo from uh, Joe Dispenza. And I thought, oh, this is good stuff. I like this, yeah. And I thought like, but I was reading the book, felt like, oh yeah, of course, unconscious mind. Well, I really, I saw, I mean, I, I know about uh, psychology. I also had some psychology uh, at school and at university. And I thought like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 I understand. But at the end of the book, there's a meditation. And I felt like, oh, I didn't expect this so. But I thought, well, let's try. Why not? I used to meditate some years ago, and um, but I only used that for to be focused and to be able to study. But um, when I started again meditating after reading that book, it was because I thought this will this will um, help me regain my cognitive functions. You know, I did that were a little bit gone, and it did. It actually did. So within like three weeks of meditating every day, and I started with five minutes. I don't know how long you meditate, but for me, five minutes was really a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it was a challenge. I thought, oh my God, one of these days I will get like 10 minutes. Huh? So um, yeah, so it took me three weeks to get to like 10 minutes. And, uh, and I felt like, well, but I feel, I feel like, uh, with myself, I feel like more calm. I feel like it was like going the right direction. And all in a sudden, when I got to like 20, 25 minutes, I suddenly remember things like, wow, the information was still there somewhere. Oh yeah, sure, I put those things there. Oh yeah, I, she told me that and her name was that. And so this, this came slowly but steadily again somewhere you know, from conscious went again to the conscious mind and then it was there. So I was amazed. And then of course I wanted to do it for my healing, you know, like thinking more in really in terms of energy and what it would do to me. And uh, so it, it was, it, it has, has become a trip that has, hasn't ended. Of course, I'm very much into it right now in many ways. I try also like you do, I mean, you, you always try to find new things about meditating because it brings so many things with it. It's not only being focused and, and like mindful, you know, people use very much too much that word these days, but um, it has brought a lot to my life. And um, I don't know if you have been trying uh, many kinds of meditation, but you're talking about the Asian kind of. Well, well, like, like I said, when I was younger, because of karate, a lot, it was very um, Japanese, it was more in the Taoism, but I, I just, I just couldn't, 
it just wouldn't vibe with me. So a friend of mine actually got me, introduced me to the master key system where it's a form of meditation, but you're doing visualization while you're meditating. And I'm at the week right now where we have to picture a battleship and deconstruct the battleship right to the very planning. And I can only get the bow at the rest of the ship. <laughs> and I'm actually, I've been doing it for what, eight weeks now? And I'm all, uh, I had a record yesterday, which was uh, 12 minutes. <laughs> I got a ways to go. Yeah, keep on trying. Yeah, that's all it is. Just, uh, just keep keeping at it. Uh, when, when it comes to meditation, do you like have like, like, like just for other people out there, like what kind of meditation uh, do you use? Um, well, look, at the very beginning, as I told you, it was really challenging just to close my eyes and not fall asleep or think about something else. Yeah, so um, I first tried the meditations that are guided, but I didn't like it so much, but it helped. It helped. I even uh, downloaded uh, meditations from Chopra. Um, from Dispensa, I also had some. It helped because it tells you where to go and it helps you not to think too about too many other things. Um, but then I also felt like that I needed some more um, um, options than only hearing a voice. Most of the times I would also like to enjoy the, the, the parts where there is no voice, maybe only some music. So what I did was downloading music and follow, for example, the five, uh, of the five minutes of the beginning of a meditation, of a guided meditation, then putting it off and just go my own way. Um, but one day I also decided to do more energetic, really energetic uh, work by thinking in, uh, in energy centers, you know, going from uh, the base of your body and going upwards. Um, until I realized that I could really feel this, this kind of energy that was um, easier. It's getting easier and easier and easier. And I thought, well, look, I have been tra training people for many years. So I know what it means when you think with, with, with of course, with, with, with your brain about a part of your body and it's like playing piano the first time you play piano it really goes like this you know because your fingers cannot do what you want it's like also just running you run and you feel like mm, it doesn't look great and doesn't feel great but then you get a technique and you do it more and more and more and all the muscles everything that is involved gets used to it and meditation is not more than that i mean the brain is not a muscle for sure not a muscle. We don't know how it works. We don't know even where our memories are stored. We don't know exactly what happens with that energy. But it's still a very important part of our uh, development and physical development. So if you think what you're doing, you will do it better. And uh, I also read, um, there was an article <clears throat> about I think it was people who would play basketball. And there were two teams. One team would have the, the opportunity or uh, just 
being uh, in the off season they would play and another team there were three teams by the way there was another team that would only think about playing they would make all these exercises by thinking about them and the other team would do nothing they would just watch tv and then when they went again to the you know to the season for playing the team who did nothing of course they performed very badly the team that were still playing in the off season of course they were playing better but the team that were thinking about playing were actually not so bad at all and it was only because they were thinking about it imagining you know visualizing what you're telling me you're visualizing what they're doing so that says a lot about what you do with your brain when you're sitting down with your eyes closed so that's why I also try to use these uh, energy centers because I had so many illnesses as well. I still have some things that I thought, well, why not? Why not try and, and think about uh, getting uh, uh, like my energy, I wouldn't say clean, but it would be like more ordered in some places of my body where I still have some pain. And I can tell you, it has made a big difference. It has made a big difference. And also combining it with breath work. I don't know if you ever have done that, but that really gives you a very, very interesting uh, effect. Yeah. Um, the martial arts that I practice now is all focused off of breath work. Yeah. Yeah, so of course. We have a saying um, you die with every exhale and you live with every inhale. So make sure you inhale. <laughs> yeah well i've also read about breath work because uh, yeah also because of meditating i also did this uh, training with the iceman you know the dutch iceman Wim Hof. Yep. you know yeah yeah well you might have seen my my photograph in the ice bath on facebook yep. <laughs> yeah well <laughs> Well, that was an amazing experience because I never thought I was going to do it. I mean, you're Mexican, so you think, what the hell, huh? what's doing a Mexican in an ice bath? But I'm going to tell you something, and that is I decided to do this because I live in a place where it's cold and I cannot change that. And I discovered that it could give me some stress that I couldn't deal and I can cope with cold weather especially cold water. And I thought, why having stress? It's actually nature. It's the nature in, of the place where I live. It's half of the year is quite cold. And three months are really very cold. And I enjoy swimming outside. But of course, when it's cold, you're not going to swim outside. But that would just yeah, be, uh, uh, mean that like only two months a year I could swim in the lakes in Holland? No, of course not. So let's try to get used to the cold. So I go to the Iceman and I say, yes, I want to go into the cold bath and I'm going to do it. It's only two minutes. Who's going to die from two minutes? I mean, you know, a marathon is three hours and I didn't die. So let's do it. So would you get this breath work before? And this breath work is really uh, well, it's actually, he, he got it from, from uh, yogis from the India. And I mean, he didn't invent it. He, he just adapted it for what he's doing. But in this breath work, at a certain point, you just breathe in after doing a lot of inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. 
and you breathe in, and then you stay there. No, sorry, you breathe out, and then you breathe in. And at that very moment, your mind just gets blanco. It really goes off. And you have a little trip. <laughs> a little tiny trip where you feel like it's, it's, it's like, it, it's finally, there's nothing. I can have anything and nothing at the same time. It's amazing. And then you begin again. And you go, breathe in and breathe out, breathe in and breathe out. After that session, that is already quite, quite magical, then you go to, to the cold water. And by doing that, you also, it's a little bit tricky because we could, if you do it before, then you will feel the cold a little bit less. Uh, you go in and you have to stay two minutes. And of course, the first reaction of the body is like, Ugh. but you have to breathe very, very slowly and convince yourself that there's nothing going on. It's only cold water. No, it's not going to kill you. And then you get convinced. You feel like, oh yeah, yeah, it's true. And then you go out and, uh, and you feel like energetic. It's like a reset. You're completely reset. And you feel fresh and you feel warm and then you go home and you are like very awake. Um, so I also liked the combination in this case, yeah, you go into the cold and then having the breath work. Now what I do is I do my breath work once or twice now, uh, I, I try to do it anyway once a day, but sometimes I do it twice if I have the time. And the, this part, after the, the, breath, the breath work, I go to meditate with or without music. I mean, I don't care so much anymore. And it's such a nice place to be. I mean, it's, and it's so, so much different than a year ago when I started. Because now it's like you have a place to go. You're going nowhere, but you still have place somewhere where it's very quiet and you feel calm and you can sometimes I have um, I remember things from my childhood for example and I can see them sometimes you feel it sometimes you feel like crying sometimes you feel joy depends what you think about but they they were like covered you know by all these conscious things and then unconscious mind comes out and really sometimes it's amazing what you can do and in this way, I have dealing with things I had before, uh, and it was not my it was not my idea. It just it just comes out like that, and then you deal with it, and then you see like okay, well now I'm okay, everything is fine, it happened for a reason, I'm okay with it, and then you go, you move on. So meditation brings a lot of things, and I think the breath work can bring you in just a little bit quicker in a certain state of mind. I mean, that's my experience. It's, it's interesting. Like uh, Wim Hof has the, uh, you know, the ice thing, the ice man. We, I've been actually, I've known about this. Well, no, 14, 14, maybe 15 years ago. Because of Sistema, the Russian martial arts that I practice, part of the practice is cold water dousing. So you grab a bucket of ice water and you just dump it on top of your head and you just sit there and just take it. And you just, from your breathing, you learn, you, you teach your body, okay, accept the cold, accept that it won't kill you, understand where your tension is and just relax your tension, but accept the cold. 
it's that it's that it's that once you accept everything that's happening to you then you're in control again yeah exactly exactly that's what happens of course it's like accepting it it's 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 part of the world it's there we avoid it and but it's there yeah yeah we shouldn't we shouldn't and you know it, it goes so far that um afterwards i've been uh swimming in the lake and um i'm still of course not like a whale <laughs> it's not that i just can go like miles and miles when it's only like nine degrees of course not uh, <laughs> but now if i go into the lake and i feel this chill going down you know i feel like but it i mean it's okay i don't get that <clears throat> it's just like calm down calm down it will go away it will go away don't worry just don't worry and that's really for me it's it's like a win situation of course i still have to do a lot of work uh, and try to um, keep on swimming the whole winter which is going to be a big challenge um, and of course you need a, a wetsuit at a certain point it's not really very clever to go without a wetsuit into uh, four degrees water of course five degrees Unless you're the ice girl, <laughs> which I'm not. <laughs> Maybe you can be the ice girl. <laughs> Maybe I could be, yeah. But uh, no, I'm not so interested in becoming the ice girl. But I, of course, I, you know something about the cold. You might tell me if it's true, if you have experienced the same. But it's also, it's like fasting. If you don't eat, you have a very, uh, very strong feeling your body's calling you that it's saying i'm hungry i'm hungry all the time i'm hungry so you are very much in your body you feel like i am here and you're saying no we're not going to eat today when you get into the cold water you also feel like <clears throat> i'm freezing i'm freezing i'm freezing and you say no we are not freezing everything is okay but you are in the moment you are there you cannot go anywhere because you need yourself in your body. And that's something interesting. Those the very few moments, maybe in a day, when you are in your completely in yourself. You feel like, I need to be here and nowhere else. There are some exceptions. Oh yeah, tell me. End of January, beginning of February here in Toronto and in Montreal. When it gets down to mine in Montreal, it can get down to minus fifty, and in Toronto, it can get down to minus thirty-five. There are exceptions to that statement. Trust <laughs> me, I'm not looking forward to those two statements. <laughs> no, I can imagine. I can imagine. Wow, that's very cold. Yeah, that's yeah. very cold. Uh, yeah. mo moving on, uh, your podcast, uh, Escape from the Burnout Society. Why did you start that? Well, I started uh, as, um, um, as a side effect of my burnout. I mean, I, I, got, <laughs> I got a little bit crazy. <laughs> I thought, um, there, when I was lying in bed, I found very few podcasts about burnout. And the podcast I found, I felt like, well, I would do something different. And then I thought, well, why don't you just do it? Don't be so critical. Just do it. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
if you think you can do it better, just do it. And, uh, or not very better, maybe not better, but just different. And one of the aspects I thought was like information, just what you told me. People now come to me and say like, do you think I have a burnout? So I asked them, okay, how do you feel? Tell me. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of physical, of course, mental is also a lot going on in somebody's uh, mind, but the effects are, are felt primarily in your body. So I always ask, are you sleeping? Are you, uh, are you able to be, to be concentrated in your, uh, you know, study or work emotionally and, um, these things. And then I, um, um, I thought, well, I want to talk about this. So one of my first podcasts was about the um, four dimensions of uh, uh, burnout. So I say very clearly which aspect you should take in consideration and give you a, a kind of score. I mean, it's not that you have to make a test. You can do it very <clears throat> easily by thinking, oh, yeah, I have this and I have that. And if you have a score in those, those four dimensions, you are going into a burnout, that's for sure. Um, so the first thing was inform people. The second thing was also um, share the knowledge of other people that have been uh, working with people with a burnout or are helping people in finding a balance in their lives. Because I think, I think that the burnout is a disbalance. It's everything. It's just uh, mixed, mixed up and messed up. Um, and the other thing is um, maybe also my own very uh, opinion about the, the time we're living in and the society we're living in, in which we are, uh, we are made to think that by excelling everywhere, we are going to be more happy. Or we are, that success is going to bring us happiness. And that's a myth. That's a myth. So uh, I started in September, well, I mean, uh, not so many months ago. And it has, I think I have very positive uh, feedback from people. But I still have to go on. I mean, I just like you, I've disappeared like three weeks because I was in Mexico and I was not going to create any podcast in a place where I couldn't have any kind of silence around me. Um, so I didn't get stressed because of it. <laughs> um, but the idea was to keep on doing a podcast for uh, as long as I can, because if you think about it, uh, John, you can maybe agree with me that there's so much to talk about stress and about our way of living. And indeed this kind of uh, lack of fitness and lack of um, attention to our bodies and our, our needs. So if you, if you ask people around you, just ask whomever at your work and ask them if they have fulfilled their basic needs. And they will say, oh yeah, I have a house and I have a car and I eat every day. And I think that our, those are not even our really very basic needs. And, uh, and that takes us, brings us to the burnout, finally. Because even having a big house and enough money is not going to, to keep you away from a burnout. 
it's all in your mind, in your mind, and it's your your uh, way of thinking and how you evaluate and uh, see uh, your own life. So, I think my uh, podcast will, I hope, will uh, bring people a little more near to themselves and to be more critical with what they think their priorities are, and maybe make you think twice about. Um, if these priorities are actually chosen by yourself or chosen for you because it's all about what people will think about you is what you're going to think about you because what people are going to think about you and is success really a key for happiness you know all these things have to do with burnout it have to do with pushing ourselves over the limit every day and we have a body that's going to protest you know i also have a theory i also have a theory i think when you get a burnout um, your body will stop you will just wrap you because you are forgetting something much more important and i'm not talking about sleeping eh? i'm not talking about eating and and having a rest you're you're forgetting something that this might be more spiritual, if you could want to call it that way. Something that might be in your unconscious mind, if you don't want to talk about spirituality, that you are not taking care of. So because you're not taking care of, your body's going to say, wait, I'm tired. Or I'm sick, or I'm whatever. And that's my theory. Of course, there are many other people with whom in my podcast, I will talk about this. <laughs> So from anyone who gets interested, just uh, follow me. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, well, soon in the air again. Okay, cool. Uh, and for everybody, we're going to be posting uh, all of Gabriella's uh, links in the show notes. So you guys have access to her, her stuff. So you guys can reach out to her and listen to her podcast. So how do you balance everything that's involved with podcasting and all that it comes with it? Because I know personally, there's a lot in the back end that people don't see. How do you personally balance all this? Well, I, um, but I can tell you that I was admiring your by using calendar, you know, <laughs> that, uh, just like making this, the, the appointment takes you already like a day before you get all the appointments done and everything. So, of course, there are always ways to make it a little bit easier. But um, my very first uh, approach is just doing one day regularly. So let's say on Monday I will do this for two hours and then on Friday or Saturday I will do the, the interviews, unless someone can't. So if I'm, someone I'm going to interview can't, then I have to. To, to, uh, to schedule for another day. But it's like, I have, this week I have eight hours for it, or I have four hours for it. I have to choose. I'm not going to do a newsletter of a, yeah, a newsletter and I'm going to do the Facebook post and the Instagram. No, sorry, I can't. So I'm going to do the interview or I'm going to do the editing if I have any. Most of the times I also don't edit my podcast. But the most important is that I get it on the air. So that's the most important. So as you know, I've been in Mexico three weeks, almost three weeks, and I didn't have any time 
and even the day, the week before, because I was very, very busy. So, so I don't, and I don't want to uh, uh, stay awake at night because I didn't do it. I just feel like, guys, I'm very sorry. The next time I post something, I, I put something in the air, it will be something nice. Just <laughs> think about that. I don't want to get a burnout again. So, um, so that's it. I think you decide beforehand how many hours you have that week. And I also, uh, so what I do is also enjoy by uh, putting off some of, just choosing some of the sentences someone was saying, and I will make an audiogram out of it. And I enjoy that very, very much because that's um, um, like using a very powerful comment, a very powerful sentence, and then bringing it to life with some motion or a photograph and uh and an audiogram and that's something i post in in, uh, in instagram so those are actually my two rules uh, john just keep on trying to do it at least once a, year, a week if you have more time of course you can do it twice but most of the time will be once for me and the other thing will be to enjoy it and whenever whatever i think it's nice i will do it just to enjoy the trip because if I enjoy it, I'm for sure, I'm almost certain that people who are listening are also enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, we're gonna we're about to be wrapping up the, the conversation right now. And I ask all my guests these six or seven questions. So it's just your insight of some stuff that we're going through. So with the increase in people suffering from depression from the lockdown and now the second lockdowns, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Um, well, I think um, uh, depression is about disconnection. I've never been too depressed. I know what it is. My mother was a very depressed person. Most of the, actually, uh, most part of her life. Um, so I've been around people who, a person who has been depressed for years and myself, I have uh, some experiences for a period of time. And it's about disconnection. This disconnection that brings you into a place that you don't want to be. And that it gives you the, the idea that there is no hope. So for, of course, when you are outside depression, it's easy to say, oh, of course, there's hope. And of course, you have to. But people who is inside feel disconnected. And this disconnection is not only mental, but it's also physical. It's a, also a chemical reaction. It's a, it's a, but you need some hormones that are not balanced. So one of my first advices would, uh, would be to sport. To do some sports in, in in try to engage well if the gyms are closed which might be the case in many places yeah uh, try running try bi uh, biking around um, especially uh, cardiovascular exercise uh, in uh, at a high rate will help you get some endorphins uh, meditation i think what i was telling about uh, it's also very important to say one day I was meditating with breath work. I was really breathing very deeply in and very slowly out and thinking about nice things, just 
nice landscape, just like that. And I got so happy at a certain moment. It was like a runner's high. Without running, I felt like this is great. <laughs> so try to meditate. I would advise the Wim Hof method and not so much part of the ice bath. If people don't feel like going into the bath, I understand that. But the breath work of the Iceman is very powerful. And you are within like two or three rounds that will not take you more than 15 minutes, maybe even 10. You will get quite some hormones. Um, you will get some endorphin as well, but well, there are so many, I will not go too deep into it. But um, uh, it would help you with, with that part that is also disconnected in your body. And the third thing is that I guess well, what we are now doing, I mean, this is amazing. You are very far away. I mean, I am very far away. And still we're having a great conversation. And it's almost like being there. It's not at all the same, but it's almost like being there. So if you feel disconnected, just get someone on the line. Just get download Zoom and, or, or Skype or whatever and talk to them. And being depressed is being in yourself. And sometimes you don't want to talk. Try to talk force yourself to, to put someone on the other line who will just take the words out of your mouth just like that very good very good uh where do you see escape from the burnout society in the next five years well i'm going to launch my uh um, website i wanted to do it in october but it didn't succeed and uh so I'm, now I'm, I'm trying to do it in november going to be a, a very um, the first website is going to be uh, only a few you know menus and um, just a little bit more information about me and what I want to do but um, by launching a website I also would like to reach more people that are not uh, listening to the podcast I have seen that um, people are looking a lot to burn out in the in the internet so I might be just found only by burnout and um I need the feedback. I really want to know what people want to hear. And I would like also to bring people together uh, to reach balance. And that could be people who are working as a professional in helping people to bring balance and those who really need the balance. And they, I am planning to do um, this in an affordable way and also to find products that can help you reach balance and to well, enjoy your life in another way. And you are going to laugh, but I think I told you that I was thinking about uh, coffee without caffeine. <laughs> Somebody told me, why would you sell coffee without caffeine? That's, that's like alcohol without alcohol, you know? It's like a beer without alcohol. And I say, yeah, it's true. I know what you mean, but a caffeine is uh, something that might take your uh, dream away or your sleep away, uh, but you still enjoy having a coffee at eight o'clock at night. So I would drink the caffeine coffee, you know, but things like that. I mean, that's only an example, but there are so many other things that can help you uh, enjoy your life and just not uh, to be too detrimental to your health. Mm -hmm. What about you personally? Where do you see yourself in five years? 
Well, that's a very good question. I have no idea. It's really, <laughs> every five years something happens in my life that it turns it upside down. I mean, it's, it, I mean, I was born in Mexico. I'm doing in the Netherlands. I, I was a designer and I'm doing more things online and having a podcast, which makes me uh, think that it will be something nice. I mean, I think um, um, this, what I'm doing now with the podcast, and I think you might feel about the same, is um, uh, something that brings a lot of joy with it and satisfaction. And that's something I don't want to lose anymore in my life. Anything I will do has to do with joy and satisfaction and uh, helping people, which is also very interesting and very important for me. So I don't know exactly, I, I've, I've been doing more marketing online because I studied communication many years ago and I really never worked in communication science uh, because of fate. I mean, it had to do. It had to be the way it was. Uh, but now, I'm, now that everything is online, I might just may pay more attention and find uh, uh, more projects with marketing online, and uh, and just expand my podcast. I mean, I don't know what the podcast is going to bring. Might be a partner. Might be. A, uh, maybe another podcast or helping people with their own podcast. I don't know. I'm still very open to it. Um, yeah, depends. That's cool. Uh, and yes, you are right. It does bring a lot of joy to, 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 to us when we're interviewing people. Like you have this weird, amazing high after. It feels amazing. It does. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? I'm going to tell her that it's going to be very rough. <laughs> it's going to be very rough. Don't get scared. <laughs> and uh, um, well, I will tell her that she, uh, she would... Um, Maybe she would take the same way or the same decisions uh, anyway. But <clears throat> maybe the only thing I would change would be the um, being a little bit more honest. At the beginning, I think in my life when I was young, I was still considering a little bit too much many things around. And I didn't say many things I wanted to say. And that's the only thing I would change. It's actually not about the decisions, but it's more like how to communicate your decisions. That I would say. That's something I would like to to see the very young Gabriela be, have the guts to say just what she was thinking. Because, yeah, it was not easy. <laughs> but now, now I'm saying it, you know, it, it took me quite some time. Yeah. Well, you actually answered my next question was looking back, would you change anything? Oh, yeah. Well, I think that would be the first thing. Just be very honest, very, very honest uh, with people around. And um, look, at the certain moments of your life, you feel that you had a, maybe a bad decision or something that didn't turn right. Um, but it had also to be like that. It really had to be like that. I remember someone told me when I couldn't find a job, I was finished communication and I couldn't find a job. 
And I felt like, you know, it's like four years at university and I'm selling shoes. Tell me what's going wrong. <laughs> you know, what well, I'm selling shoes in a sports shop. I mean, I studied four years at university and what did went wrong? And he said, it's not what you studied, it's that you studied. And I felt like, oh yeah, of course you can tell that because you have a nice job. <laughs> you tell me, of course you have a nice job. But then after, it took me years before I really understood his words. And it's actually, it is. I mean, of course you want to, you want to work in that, but you study because it, you, you spend so much money, time and effort. But if you can't, it's not what you studied, it's that you studied, that is important. So move your ass and find something that is just around it. Um, so those things have to happen. And so I wouldn't change that, only, only being honest. Cool. Uh, what keeps you up at night? Mm, yeah, well, if you would have asked me two years ago what keeps me wait, uh, awake at night, I think at this moment, not so much anymore, but you know, I'm a very empathetic person and that's a kind of problem sometimes. When people come to me with a very nasty story about their lives or uh, with a very negative energy, uh, I can go with that to bed. Sometimes I cannot um, detach me from, from all this uh, negative energy and, um, and that I could keep me awake for hours, even if I would say like, okay, that's not my problem or it was not personal. Um, so that it's strange, but I still, I mean, I sometimes still have this problem, but the solution is meditation. Yeah, meditation. And then I can sleep really, really. I mean, I don't want to be any kind of commercial like uh, announcement, but if I to take, if it doesn't work my normal meditation, then two rounds of the uh, breath work of the Iceman and I go to sleep. Nice. And where can people find more about you? Uh, well, um, it's going to be from November on, but well, not over. It's not going to be the first week. I think end of November will be my website. Escape from the burnout. Escape from burnout society. By the way, escape from burnout society. Uh, dot com, and uh, Facebook, and Instagram. And my Facebook page is Escape from the Burnout Society where I put uh, most of my posts and I also announce announcements about people who I'm going to interview. Um, and well, on Instagram, I have some autograms where you can listen to this kind of essential things people have told me and said uh, during the interviews and the autograms. Um, so those three places. Awesome. And again, for everybody listening, we will be posting all of our guests, all of Gabriella's uh, links with the show notes. So it's easy for you guys to get to, and you guys don't have to search uh, Google University to find her. Gabriella, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you and all the hard work that you're doing with, uh, with uh, escape, escape burnouts, escape from the burnout society. It's really, really important uh, as I had a very interesting 
experience with it. And I'm sure everybody out there is experiencing some sort of some form of burnout. So burnout. So again, thank you very much. And we, and I do really appreciate all the work that you're putting in. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Uh, going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or a good night wherever you may be in this crazy world.